Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. We preached last week, Sunday. We've come through Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. It wasn't, a, it wasn't just a one thing that happened. It wasn't a flash in the pan. We're living in the power of the Holy Spirit's continual pouring out in our lives. But there's moments when we come and we look at the Bible story that God can teach us a timeline. And He can remind us what we are going through. And He can bring back to, um, to our daily lives and make it really clear what it is that he's wanting to do in this time and in this season. And the revelation that Peter had when he stood up and when he preached on the day of Pentecost was this, Jesus is Lord. And we talked about the fullness, the culmination, the coming together and the completion of Jesus' whole life. In fact, of the, the 5,000 years of God's redemptive plan with humanity came up to this point where at last, God had defeated the, the devil in the heavenly realms. God had defeated the devil on the earth realm through Jesus Christ. And God has now defeated the devil in the grave through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we can come into a moment of complete fullness in our lives. There is a moment where God can bring and immediately, say suddenly. suddenly. God comes, and he wants, he comes to us in moments where he wants to suddenly break through. And we talked about this, that there's not really any overnight success. Sometimes it feels like things happen. I read a wonderful story this week. Anyone know of an artist by the name of Picasso? Amazing, amazing artist. And when he was still alive, he was sat in a coffee shop in Italy. And a woman was in the coffee shop and she recognized who he was. This was the Picasso. Have you ever been like that? You start nudging the person you have a coffee with. It's Picasso. I'm sure it's Picasso. That happened to us in Dudley of all places. It wasn't Picasso that we saw though. We were having a lunch at Bistro, and there was a famous actor, famous BBC actor, okay, a guy who'd done like um, all the nativity scenes and all of the, um, uh, yeah, his name was Jason. What it was um, in the line of duty. Any of you guys like those kind of shows? And he was in the coffee shop in Dudley, and and I was with Anna, like whispering, "Oh my goodness, what's? It's it's that guy, sort of pointing, sort of hushing." And you know, Trevor, look at this, someone that we know. You know, he had no shame. So this guy recognized that we were pointing and trying to, you know, call him out. And he came over. What a gentleman. And he said, hi, my name's Jason. Uh, would any of you like any selfies? You know, we got some selfies with him. And we got talking with him. He wasn't in Dudley on um, holiday or tourism. He was actually shooting a show in the town hall. And it, it was really cool. So... We've all been in places when we've seen someone famous, and this lady was in this coffee shop, and Picasso was sat across the table having his espresso. And so she goes up to this guy, and she says, excuse me, you're Picasso? And he says, yes, I am. She hands him a napkin, and she says, go on, draw something. So he does. He grabs a pen, and he draws something, and he goes to give it to the lady. And it's, you know, you know Picasso, one line, consistent, beautiful, really expressive, abstract, he gives it to the lady, and she goes to take it out of his hand, but he doesn't let go of it. And he says, and this will be X amount of money. And the lady is horrified. And the lady says to him, how dare you? How could you charge me that much for something that only took you 10 seconds? 
And she said, yes, my dear. He said, yes, my dear. It, but it didn't just take me 10 seconds. I've spent my entire life perfecting my art. So I've come to the point where in 10 seconds I can culminate and I can complete something that I've spent my lifetime working on. There is no such thing as an overnight success. God is working in our lives steadily, moment by moment. And I believe this morning was another one of those moments. You never know. It could have been for you a moment when all of the steadiness has come together and you have a suddenly and there's a moment of breakthrough. That's what we call miracles. There has been a steadiness in your life that you've been going, conversation after conversation, text message after text message, email after email, meeting after email and with relationships in your life. And I'm believing for you to come and stand up in faith and say, today, God, let this be a moment where my steadilies have worked for me a suddenly in your name. So this lady paid the money for the napkin. And she actually sold it for even more than she paid Picasso for. But the point is what I've made, that there are moments in our lives where God works suddenly. So would you, would you put the scripture up? Here's what we're going to just focus this morning at. It's from Acts chapter 2. Verse 34, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Keep going. There, for David, no, keep, next, next line, next line, next scripture. Therefore, you let all Israel, sorry, go back. Go back, I was still reading. There we go. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord in the heavens. He's the Lord on the earth. He's the Lord under the earth. He's the Lord in all of our lives. Jesus is Lord, and we are coming to a place where we want to make sure that God is steadily working out in our lives the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I want to link this with an amazing uh, character in the Old Testament. His name is Joshua. You know, his name, Joshua, is actually the Aramaic version of Jesus. Jesus is the Greek version of the name Joshua, and it means God will save. So G Joshua and Jesus, they kind of had the same name, but there's a number of things in Joshua's life that I want to bring out to us as God has got us on this journey of steadily. You can put it like this if you want a title this morning. It's what to do in your until moments. Paul quoted David in Psalm 110 when he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The actual, ver the actual words is Yahweh, Jehovah, said to my Adonai. And David is being a prophet here. He's looking up and he's seeing something and he's seeing God the Father speaking to God the Son Jesus. Sit at my right hand until. Say until. until. Sit at my right hand until. I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And we've been praying for this over, the, all, over all of you this week. Anna and I, if you've church watching online as well, you're part of this. Everyone here, we've been praying for you this week that God would make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That you would know what it is this week to come into such a fullness of freedom. And Jesus has just done that already with the, the expression of praise and worship this morning. He's culminating what he's been doing in the week. But what do we do in our moments of until? What do we do between the steadiness and the suddenly? What do we do between the 
progressive plan that God is working out in our lives and immediately. And there's a couple of key points I want to give to you from the life of Joshua. You see, Joshua says this in Joshua chapter 10, verse 24. When they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all of the men of Israel and said to the army and the commanders who had come with him, come here and put your feet on the necks of the kings. I think I need to just give you a little bit of an understanding into this before. I think you're like... I want to celebrate, but that guy had his, his foot on someone else's neck. Okay, the Old Testament now speaks figuratively into what the Lord wants to do spiritually in our lives. Have you got that? The Bible's very clear. We no longer battle against flesh and, but against powers, principalities, and spirits in the high places. Now, when I'm talking about your enemies at your feet, <laughs> I don't want you to go into the office on Monday. Okay. <laughs> I'd go to your boss <laughs> and say, uh, could you just tie my shoelace? <clears throat> you know, get your foot on his neck. I'm not talking about that, okay? You could just take that. Some of you are like, Ryan, that sounds exciting. <laughs> Some of you are like, Ryan, that could be exactly what I need. <laughs> no, it's not. You need to pray for your bosses, okay? You need to pray for the people in leadership. But Figuratively, spiritually, what God is saying is that there is a place of victory that he wants to bring us into where the things that have kept you in bondage in the past are now underneath your feet. Where the things that have kept you in restriction in the past are now underneath your feet. Where the things that you might have struggled over, stumbled over, tripped over in the past are now underneath your feet. And if you ever go to, to walk up a step and... Um, I need to stop wearing skinny jeans because it's not cool anymore. But walk up a step and because your jeans are too tight, you're like, you stumble, then you trip. It's just me, okay. God wants to remove the places even where you've been stumbling. There's been things that you say, I can get over this. I can get over this. That something you get faces you again. You say, no, I can get over this. But you keep seeming to struggle and to stumble. Even those things God wants to put as the enemy underneath your feet. So here we're going to read about Joshua. Joshua spent 40 years with God's people in the wilderness because the rest of God's people didn't have the faith and the vision to step into what God had given them. There were 12 spies when they came out of Egypt. They were entering the promised land. There's 12 spies that went out. You remember their names, Joshua and Caleb. And two out of the 12 came back and said, oh, this land is good. Oh, God is giving us this inheritance. Oh, the fields are amazing. The fruit is incredible. God is giving us this land. But the other 10 said, oh, man, the land is good, but there's giants. Oh, man, they saw the enemies, didn't they? You see, Joshua saw the fruit. Joshua saw the promise. Joshua saw the potential. The other 10, they saw the problems. They saw the enemies. They saw the giants. And it says that they became, in their eyes, how they viewed themselves. They became, they said, we are grasshoppers. And they became as grasshoppers. So Joshua was a man of faith. He was a man who was going to go through. But he had to wait in his until for 40 years. And as we read here, Joshua chapter 10, this is a moment of fulfillment. Fulfillment? Fulfillment. This is a moment of fullness. This is a moment where Joshua is reaching the victory and the inheritance that God had always said he could come, he could have. And so this is why it's such a wonderful moment. Come here. Put your feet on the necks of these kings. So Joshua didn't even do it. He got all of the army commanders to come and to experience what victory felt like. God wants you to experience what victory feels like in your life. 
God wants you to know what it is to have your feet on the neck of the enemy. God know, God wants you to experience what it is to walk this week in moments of fullness. Because Jesus has died, was crucified, resurrected, and ascended. And he has poured out his Holy Spirit on us. And we can know this victory. So they came forward and they placed their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies that you are going to fight. You see, what they were experiencing in that moment, Joshua was prophesying even into their future. We're in a moment of completion, but it's still going to become another until because there's still more battles that you have to fight. But I want you to remember what it feels like right now to be in a moment of victory. Isn't it interesting what he said there? Be strong and courageous. Listen to me. Do not be afraid. Those were the exact same words God spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 when God was telling Joshua, now is the time. 40 years is over. The, uh, the, The steadiness has come to an end. Your moment of suddenly is upon you. So, God is at work in your life, steadily and suddenly, progressively and immediately. This is the time where we are going to move into fullness. So, just a couple of points I want to share with you. I want to give you hope. I want to impart hope to you this morning. I want to impart vision to you this morning. I want to impart courage to you this morning. I believe that fear is one of the enemies that God is going to slay this morning. And there's a couple of things that are going to fall at your feet when you recognize and enthrone Jesus as Lord. And the first is this, to not miss God in the mundane. 40 years of Joshua in the wilderness, tent after tent after tent. I mean, summer's upon us. Isn't it amazing? Come on. Summer is upon us. It's so good. Who wants to go camping? I don't want to go camping, sorry. I love summer, but I don't like staying in tents, okay? It, 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 you get wet. You wake up in the morning, even if it didn't rain outside, there's like condensation on the inside. There's no toilets. There's no hot water. I'm sorry if you like camping. You know, you can, you can go camping. Joshua had to go 40 years in a tent. You like camping. Would you like to spend 40 years in a tent? Yeah, my point's been proved. Thank you very much. Here he is going through the mundane, putting the tent up, taking the tent down, walking it through, doing all those things. How do you live with the weight of the vision and the call when you're going through the mundane? Let me tell you, you get very aware of every little victory that God is giving you. God is giving you little victories in everything that you go through. I want you to have eyes to see. I want you to begin to see what God is doing. Just like David, he's shepherding the sheep. And, and the, his father has sent him out into the fields. And he doesn't even think that he's one of his sons. And he's, he's just shepherding the sheep. But little did David know that every single sheep that he learned how to look after, God was teaching him how to be a king. Little did David know that every single wolf that was coming to attack the sheep, God was teaching him how to fight giants. Little did David know that every bear that was coming in, God was teaching him how to be a man of strategy to win a war, how to, how to guide and lead a nation. How did David get so good at being a king? He didn't waste his mundane moments. Where he was right there at that point, he went through it. How did Joshua get so good at, at leading God's people to the place where he could have all his, his commanders defeat all five kings in one go? He didn't waste a moment. May you know what it is just to go through. I want to call them karate kid moments. 
Have you ever seen this? I'm showing you my age now. There was a great movie called Karate Kid. And he, all he wanted to do was to train to fight. And he went to Mr. Miyagi. And all Mr. Miyagi did was teach him, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And this kid is getting angry, frustrated. Don't you know the potential in me? All I want to do is, no, wax on, wax off. Until he finally gets to the ring and he realizes and he fights. He realizes that all those moments of waxing on and waxing off were strengthening his muscles, getting him in the right position. Let me tell you, your moments that you're in right now do not lose heart. Keep going through your moments. God is strengthening you for victory. There's a, there's a music file down the side of the stage. You might not know it. And it's, it's got two heavy metal drawers. And in it is every song that we've ever sung since 1994. Filed by first line of the song. There's a lot of songs. One of my jobs when I started here at Revival Fires, I was a 19-year-old boy. One of my jobs was to organize the files. I wanted to be a worship leader. And Sharon, who was the worship leader at the time, she says, great, Ryan, here's your first job, organize the files. Wax on, wax off. And I'm there pulling the files, taking them out, week in, week out. The worship team will lead an amazing set. It was great worship this morning, guys. Wasn't it good? Give them some appreciation. And all I wanted to do was to lead with him. But at the end of the Sunday set, Ryan, here's your songs. There's a pile this long because we couldn't make our mind up. And there's more and more. And I'm putting the songs away. I'm throwing away the old ones. I'm duplicating week by week. Wax on, wax off. And I'm saying, God, I just want to lead worship. And here I am on my knees filing a filing cabinet. What's going on? And he said to me, Ryan, I'm teaching you in the mundane. And week by week, I began to realize I was actually learning how to craft a worship set list just by putting away someone else's set list. Week by week, I was putting a song where I realized, hang on, we didn't sing that song. Why didn't we sing that song? Oh, I can see why it didn't fit in spiritually. Oh, I can see why it didn't fit in thematically. Oh, we sang a song that wasn't on the list. Why is the songs not here? Oh, I see God was leading us somewhere. And God was teaching me, even in my wax on, wax off moments, that through steadiness, he brings suddenness. Whatever you're going through right now, keep in a place of faith. Keep in a place of going through it. There are a hundred little victories that are strengthening your feet for the enemy. Why is this so important? It's because character grows in the dark. Yeah. I'll say that again. That's a good point, Ryan. Character grows in the dark. Character is one of the most important things that God is looking to develop in your life in this season. Let me tell you, God loves giftings, and I love the gifts of the Spirit, but there's also something that God has called us to, and that's called the fruit of the Spirit. God wants to pour His gifts upon you, and sometimes the gift upon you can feel like a suddenly. All of a sudden, you might be in a life group, and you feel like, oh, I need to pray for healing. We had an amazing time in a life group this week where backs were healed, weren't there? There were sudden moments of healing on people's backs. There was gifts of healing that was being released, and we love gifts. God wants us to move in gifts. But I want to remind you, church, fruits are just as important. It's no good having all the gifts of the Spirit being able to, to touch people and heal people if you're a mean person and you've got no love, you've got no patience, you've got no joy. I could go to you and get prayed, but you know what? I want to stay away from that chap. He's mean. What good is it if we have all the gifts in the world but we don't have all the fruit 
in the world either. In this moment, God is helping us to grow our character. And sometimes, in fact, most of the time, character grows in the dark. What are you talking about in the dark? Let me tell you this. You learn more about yourself through a no than you do through a yes. Anyone had a no said to them this week? A couple people. Think about it. Maybe in the last couple of months. Anyone going through a point where they, they wanted a yes and all they're left with is a no? And so often we can think, oh God, I'm, I'm just getting blocked. Sometimes God is giving, using the no's in our life to help us grow. There is a no that helps you grow. What is growing? It's your character. I've learned more about myself through the no's than I have with the yeses. I'll use that example again. On my knees, filing cabinet. Can I lead worship now? No, not, not yet. What did I do with that no? Well, I've had it with this church. I'm going somewhere that appreciates me. That was a bit angry, Ryan. What character is God, what fruit is God wanting to grow in you? Let me tell you about fruits. We need the fruits as much as we need the gifts. But fruit trees need good roots. Fruits need roots in order to develop. There's, a, there's an amazing plant that proves this point. It's a bamboo plant. Anyone ever had any struggles with bamboo plants? We had one in struggles. We had struggles. We had one in our garden once. And um, it sort of just sprung up one year. And then by a year later, it had taken over the whole half of the garden. No matter how much you try and take the thing out, its roots are under them. They keep on coming up. Let me tell you about bamboo. Sometimes a bamboo can grow one meter in a day. There is a variety of bamboo in China that can grow one meter tall a day. Can you imagine that? Lord, I want to be growing growth like that. Maybe not just physically, but like, you know, spiritual growth, emotional growth. I want to grow like that, but they can take three to five years for their root system to be established. You can have a bamboo that's growing in your garden for three to five years. You, you wouldn't think anything of it. It's just there. Short little looks like a blade of grass, just chilling out. But what you don't know is it is digging its roots down underneath you. And in three to five years, it's going to take over. <laughs> Where's my spiritual bamboo people here this morning? Where, where are you at? Come on, spiritual bamboo people. In the know, I'm going to grow. Lord, let my roots go down so deep. I'm waiting on it suddenly. I'm waiting on an until. But in that place, Lord, I'm going to continue to grow. In that place, Lord, give me your fruit. Whatever knows you're facing. Yeah, that's right. I asked you. You put your hands up. Who's had a no? That no, take it to God. Okay? Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. I had a no. No, you can't lead worship yet. You know, okay, what are you growing in me, Lord? What is God growing in you? There are things that God wants to birth. There are things that God wants to grow in your lives. Galatians 6 verse 9. Let me give this to you because it's good. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Who's that for this morning? There's someone here today and you are waiting for your harvest. Do not give up. Keep going. Your harvest is coming. There are moments of fullness that are upon you. It's that the other thing that we need to do in our, in our untils is we need to continue to cultivate consistency. I already mentioned about God healing my hand and, and being a guitarist. One of the things I did a couple of years ago, I was a guitar teacher. And I got to travel around some of the schools in the area teaching guitar lessons to all different age group of kids. And let me tell you, I learned a lot about myself teaching five-year-old girls and boys 
how to play the guitar. <laughs> Teachers amongst me, amongst the congregation, you're laughing and smiling. You know what I'm talking about. It was a great experience. But one of the things that we did is that we, we taught them how to play the scales and all those kind of things. And I realized this. This is so important. One of the things about scales and playing an instrument is you have to practice. You can't just pull up on a stage and start playing and thinking that all of a sudden the gifting will hit you. And it's happened to one person that I know of in the world. They had a gift downloaded from them where they could play music. But normally, we have to practice. And in the practice is where you grow. And you can't just get up there without practicing and doing your scales. And I would teach these kids how to do their scales and they would all hate their scales because nobody likes practicing. But then they'd watch me play and be like, can I do that? And I'd say, yeah, you can play like me, but you have to do this first. Oh, I don't want to do my scales. That was the high school kids. Oh, I don't want to do my scales. Oh. <laughs> I'm having fun, even if you guys aren't. But <laughs> you know, he's doing his, you know. So, so I'd watch them do their scales, and they'd go away and they'd practice, and maybe I would have a holiday one week, and I'd come back, and they'd say, yes, Ryan, I've done my scales. And they'd play them for me. And do you know what they were doing? They were practicing them wrong. And what they were doing is they were reinforcing their mistakes by continual practice. And it's really important that we get this word of God in us in our until moments. Because God doesn't want you to go around practicing your mistakes. He wants you to learn from your mistakes. He wants you to grow. And when the moment comes where he brings fullness, you, know, you say, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm ready for this because I've been working through my scales. I've been working through this life with me. The world's been throwing no's at me, but I've been on my knees with you. The world's been throwing difficulties at me, but I've been in my word with you. The world's been throwing character at me, but I've been growing with you. And stay close to Jesus. Stay in the place where he is cultivating you and he's growing consistency in you. It's consistency that brings a breakthrough. I hadn't planned this, but I just want to boast on my wife for a minute. This is the most, we're coming, you're coming into, and the, as a result, revival fires and the church is coming into, and I want to share this with you. I know I said I want to boast on my wife. I do. But I want you to hear this because this is your harvest too, friends, okay? Come on, tell the person next to you, this is your harvest. This is your harvest. We have been a church in this, in this location since 2006. That's how long we've been here. Don't ask me. I'm not good at maths. I didn't practice my maths as a kid. I should have practiced it. I'm practicing my scales the whole time. It's a long time, since 2006. And year after year, God has been putting on us a heart for the community. I mean, it's part of our vision statement that we would be present-centered, people-focused, community-oriented. We're here for the community. And we've never stopped reaching out every opportunity. When I say we, I mean Anna. She's been the one who, who, and the team who goes to council meetings, who shows up week in, week out, shows up and says, is there anything we can do to help? And it takes a long time for people to begin to trust you. Even if we keep coming, and Anna showed up year after year, moment after moment, um, meeting after meeting, and then lockdown hit, and it was Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. Let me tell you, one hour on Zoom is like five hours everywhere else. <laughs> For me, it is, okay. Some of you love this whole work-at-home thing. I know, I know. <laughs> and, and just kept showing up moment by moment, kept believing that God is going to lift the hiddenness off of the ministry, not for the sake of the ministry, but because God has given us something that we can do to help our community. Moment by moment, and let me tell you, in the last two months, I don't know if you shared all of this, Anna, 
Anna, and the, the, as a result of the work of the team here, was invited to go down to London, the city of London. Y'all, you said some of it. Go into the House of Parliament, the House of Lords, right? Go and do a conference on um, well-being and churches helping their community, where they gathered leaders, key church leaders from all over the UK. And guess who was a keynote speaker? My wife. The staff here, Anna was up on the stage preaching, and as she was preaching, we were getting emails to the office. Can I please book an appointment with Anna Baker Barnes? Can, you know, can I please find out? Look, isn't this right, Janet? I mean, and you think, wow, overnight success. <laughs> we think, God, thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for giving us the faith and the hope to keep going at every single step along the way, because this is what God can do. And I want you, you've already nudged your neighbor and said, this is your harvest. Here's your harvest. God is lifting the lid off of things here, but also your continuing is going to bring forth, if you do not give up in its proper time, a full harvest. And Jesus, I'm so grateful for what you're doing, not because we want to be well known, but because we've carried, even like Joshua, we've carried a call that there is something on our lives that can help other people. And as God is doing that, that's what's happening. So I love that. Don't give up on your consistency. Don't waste your mistakes. Joshua got things wrong. Let me tell you, he did. David got things wrong. Let me tell you, he did. Everyone in the Bible got things wrong. Why? Because we get things wrong. And when we read about their life, we see the redemptive nature of our God so strongly. And I want you to know, never waste your mistake. This very moment that we read about in Joshua chapter 10, where his foot was on the neck of the enemy. Do you know how it happened? He made a big mistake. Another nation, another tribe came up to him and they... They made it look as if they had come from a far way away, the Gibeonites. They had put dried, stale bread in their bags, and they had put on worn-out clothes instead of normal clothes. And they came on their donkey, and they said, Oh, we've come from a long way away. We've been told to practice our scales, and we're here. And the people of God thought that they were from a long way away, but really they were their neighbors. And they wanted to make an, a treaty with them. They wanted to make an oath. Please, don't. Whenever you come to our land, it'll be a long time. Whenever you come to our land, let's make a treaty together. And Joshua didn't consult the Lord God. He took everything that he saw on face value, shallow face value. Let me tell you, friends, is probably the most shallow value. God wants you to go deep. God wants you to take everything and pray. Take your nose. Take those th- places where you grow. Take it to him. Take it to Jesus. And they made a treaty. And then these guys threw off their clothes and like, ha ha, we live just next door to you, you know. So it was a big mistake. It was a big error. The nation was in uproar. The nation was really, really grieved and saddened by this because they couldn't have full victory over the land that God had called them to possess. But what happened was, because that had happened, five kings all banded up and attacked the Gibeonites, these people who were fakers. And haters, they came and attacked them. And God said, I'm going to turn a mistake into a blessing. Now is your time, Joshua. Go and attack them. And what was an error actually worked out to bring all of the enemies together in one place where Joshua could go and defeat them. I want to tell you, don't waste your mistakes. Don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't give up believing. Don't give up pressing on. 
even if you've tripped and fallen. I know we joked about those steps in the skinny jean and there's things that we're going through in our lives that we find difficult and we feel like we're always falling short. We're always tripping up. We're always missing the mark. That's what sin is. Sin is as simple as that. It's missing the mark. And then we retreat within to ourselves and we withdraw and we don't continue. And I want you to know God is a God of love. God is a God of the second chance. Oh, but Ryan, I've done it three times wrong. God is a God of the third chance. In fact, God is a God of the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. You can keep going. How do you know that, Ryan? Because he says, when Peter asks him, how many times should I forgive my brother? He says, and Peter says, I'm going to choose a big number. Seven times? And God says, no, 77 times seven. You keep going. You see, for God with his redemptive nature, you might continue to be coming up against something that's causing you to strip, to trip and to fall. For God, it's a sec- he's a God of the second chance. It might be the 27th time, but it's a second chance because he's a God of love. Can we just talk about sin for a minute? You know, I love working God. What the world needs out there isn't just talk about sin. They need the kindness of God. Because the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads them to repentance. But let me tell you this. That doesn't mean that in the church we just gloss over sin. Jesus is Lord. And there's times in our lives when we've fallen short and not crowned him Lord in certain situations. And in the church, God wants to come with such strong conviction. I said conviction. I didn't say condemnation. You see, condemnation is what's preached out there. Condemnation is what people put on you to make you feel guilty and judge. Condemnation is the work and the fruit of the devil. But conviction is different. Conviction says, I've sinned, but I don't need to be afraid of sin. Why? Because Ryan preached and he told me that Jesus has defeated the enemy in the heavens, on earth, and under the earth. And even my sin underneath the earth has been brought under judgment. And if I can come and say, Lord, forgive me, guess what he says? You are forgiven. Sin has been defeated. One of the enemies that I believe for us as a body of Christ, even this week, that we're going to put our foot on their necks is sin. Let me try this side. I believe one of the enemies that we're going to put underneath our feet this week is sin. Sin loses its hold on you. Shame loses its hold on you. Blame loses its hold on you. Guilt loses its hold on God's people. Anything that is condemnation of the, of the, den, of the enemy loses its hold on people. Lord, we want to come into a place where we're so free of sin because sin is dealt with, sin is defeated. And I can say, yes, I need a second chance, Lord Jesus. That's what God wants to do. Let me tell you this about, we're going to finish in a minute. What we're going to do to end this morning, what a great morning has been in your presence, Jesus. What we're going to do is we're going to share communion. And as we share communion, I want you to take the bread and the wine that represent the body, the body and the blood of Jesus and say, Lord, in my until, I'm going to remain consistent. Lord, in my until, I'm not going to give up. Lord, in my until, keep me free from sin. You see what happens in the mundane? is that the enemy wants to come and put traps and temptations of sin in your path. Because he knows that if he can get you to trip up and to fall and to feel real bad, you won't feel as hopeful and faithful about the the journey that God's got you on. That can get removed this morning. That can get totally put out of the way. And that's what we're going to do when we come and share communion. God is, we're going to be reminded that Jesus is Lord, but he's Lord of my life. That means he's Lord of my failures. 
That means he's Lord of my trip-ups and my sin. I was going to talk about idolatry. We won't do that this morning. Maybe another time. Listen, it's the most freeing uh, book that I, message that I've read in the last couple of months. This message on idolatry. You can say, oh, Ryan, we don't have idols. We do. They're just really subtle. <laughs> and in their subtleness, they entrap us. But the way that we step into them, first and foremost, is sin. And I want you to know sin has been judged. But that means you can live in freedom. The enemy, the serpent, the snake, our enemy, the devil, he comes and slithers into our lives and he wants to cause us to sin. Do you know why? Let me tell you like this. A serpent has no arms and it has no feet. Because Jesus has disarmed the enemy and he has defeated the enemy in every single area of our lives. But... Anytime we sin, we rearm the enemy and we give him legal territory over ground that he doesn't even have feet to own. But through the sin in our lives, we give it back to him. And God says, listen, friends, listen, my, my children, I have judged the enemy. He is disarmed and defeated. I like that. And every time I come to that, like, Lord, I want to live my life under your lordship because I want every place where I tread my foot to be ground for you to possess. I want to live underneath your lordship because I want to be your hands and your feet. Did you realize? Let me tell you this. I'm going to end with this. I know you guys have been good. I'm still talking, but I'm going to end with this. Psalm 110. Let's just, read, let's just think about it again. Read it again. If it wants to come up, it can come up. Thank you so, more, so much, Pauline. The Lord, Jehovah, said to my Lord, Adonai, sit at my right hand until I make the enemies a footstool. Hands and feet. There it is again. He has disarmed the enemy. He has defeated the enemy. But what the enemy wants to do by causing us to fall into sin, to fall into temptation, to fall into shame, is to rearm him over situations in our lives. And as a body, we're coming this morning and saying, Jesus, Thank you that every enemy to your name has been defeated. Thank you that every enemy to your name in my life has been judged. Thank you that every hindrance, even in the until moments in my life, can be removed because of the blood. Yeah. Oh, the blood, the precious blood on the cross of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.